0: We're doing our study on having a healthy church. This is our third. I don't know how many weeks we're going to be in it, but to me it's very exciting, especially in the life of a young church. You know, we've had sermons so far on Jesus, Jesus being our all-in-all all and sitting before the Lord, sermons on soul winning, on the absolute lordship of Jesus Christ, On we did six weeks on uh, being a spirit-filled church and the gifts of the Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and in the last several weeks and we're going to continue for a few more weeks for sure talking about having a healthy church a strong church it's going to be uh, as healthy as now we the, the lord's not in any poor health he is still christ he's the lord he's the god of all and he's the lord of his church but we as individual members as an as a, and also as a body can be stronger or more mature or immature we see that in the bible The church of Corinth, for example, that was immature and and Paul even said you're Christians. He didn't say you're not part of the body of Christ. He said you're babes, you're carnal and you're babes. So immaturity and carnality. And so it's possible. And and I'm using that as an example of a church that would be unhealthy or a church that entertained and heeded false doctrine like the church of Galatia, okay, where they listened to the Judaizers. It's not the fact that the Judaizers came. It's the fact that the people in the church that were born again under Paul's ministry gave heed to it, and that's what brought the problem. So a church can be healthy or unhealthy, and we understand it in their local churches, individual churches like Cornerstone Church with local pastors, and and then there's the universal church of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is building his church, and he is making it what it wants to be. that, oh, it's just not going to make it, kind of thing. He said, "Upon this rock, that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it, or not overcome it. His church is not in danger. This church is not in danger. The Ascension Baptist Church down the road is not in danger. We need to keep our eyes on the Lord, though. Individually, as believers, as in a church, we need to hold each other accountable. We need to be involved in each other's lives." even to the point where it may be out of your comfort zone a little bit. I'm not saying you go spend the night at everybody's house, okay? I'm talking about being caring how they're doing. How are you doing in Jesus, okay? I like to talk about football, but let's talk about Jesus as well. See how somebody's doing. Check on them. Care for them. We weep with those that weep. Rejoice with those that rejoice as though it was us ourselves. And that way, we bear one another's burdens. And so the body is made up of living members, living epistles, living stones. You also, Peter says, as living stones are built together as a habitation for God. God's putting the building together as he sees fit to put each person in the church, teachers and pastors and ministers and prayer warriors and all these different ways. Every single person from the youngest child in here to the oldest adult uh, is significant to this local body and significant to the Lord's body. In all of this, we understand that Jesus is the head. He is the head. The head is in charge. The head is the authority. The life comes from the head. It all flows from Him. We're the vines, uh, branches grafted or living and dwelling in the vine. And the life is in the vine. If the branch is cut off from the vine, it's going to die. It's not going to make it. And so, uh, Christ is our head. Now I want you to look at Acts chapter 9. And this is just a, a small portion of Saul's conversion. And I wanted to read it because there's a significant part here I want to focus on. And look at verse 4. And he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, Lord, who art thou? Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And he trembling and astonished said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise, go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. And so from that moment forward, the the man Saul, the Pharisee, uh, he became, he came to know Christ, he was born again. And from that point forward, till the end of his life, where he says in 2 Timothy 4, the time of my departure is at hand. I'm ready to be offered up. Henceforth there's a crown laid up for me. And the Lord, their righteous judge, shall give me in that day. From this moment where he met Jesus on the road to Damascus till he breathed his last on this earth, he was under the authority of another. He was under the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the question when he asked, first, who are you? I'm Jesus. Second of all, Lord, he confesses him as Lord. What will you have me to do? You've got something for me to do now. You're my Lord, and I can't budge, and I can't take one step, and I don't know, go up or down or forwards or backwards if you don't tell me what to do. Well, you get up and go on into Damascus. That's where you're heading. And it will be told you what you shall do. And God sent, prepared that man, Ananias, who was a believer, who went and prayed for him that he would receive his sight, and he received the Holy Spirit. Three days later, he had been without eating or drinking and without sight, but he was praying. And the Lord told Ananias, behold, he's praying. He's over there praying. He's talking to me and calling upon me. You're going to be an answer to my prayer. And he went over there. And from that day forward, though, he was led by the Lord. Doesn't mean he was sinless and perfect even from that day forward. Neither are we as believers. But from that day forward, he was led by the Lord. He was not led by a desire to, to haul Christians to prison, thinking he was serving the God of his fathers. He was not led by anything other than the Lord Himself. And if we are going to be a strong church, if any true church of Jesus Christ is going to be strong, it has to be led by the Holy Spirit. has to be led by the Lord Himself. By the Word of God, which we talked about last week, but it has to be led by the Lord. cannot be led by man or man's will or some other type of influence this is what we're going to talk about today. If it's going to be healthy and strong. So if you're taking notes, the first part was it had to be founded on Christ himself. The chief cornerstone. The second was it has to be big, biblically sound or doctrinally sound. Okay. A church of the word, rightly dividing the word. And today we're going to talk about if a church is going to be healthy and strong, it must be led by the Lord. I know these all sound very simple and basic and they are. But it's it's not always the case. And we have to guard against it to make sure that as individual believers, as in a church as as church as well, that we are being led by the Lord and not taken off on some tangent or, or something else leading or steering this church. So we must be a spirit led church. We must seek his face. We must hear his voice. We must obey what he tells us to do. We must be fully subject to the Lord Jesus Christ. And He is the head of His body. And the Bible says we are members in particular. The arm does not tell the head what to do. It just doesn't. It doesn't work that way. There's an analogy, I know, but it, if Christ is the head of the body, the life flows from the head, the, the guidance comes from the head, the lordship comes from the head, the authority comes from the head, the wisdom comes from the head. It all comes. He knows how to put... Uh, Madeline in this body and Daniel in this body and me in this body. He knows, he knows how to place us together and to make us what we're supposed to be individually and as a church and then to place this church even on the whole planet how this church is to function on, you know, in this community and so forth. He knows how to do it. I just want to read a scripture. If you're taking notes, it's Colossians one eighteen. It says, "...and He is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead." that in all things He might have the preeminence. And these are wonderful Scriptures. They're straightforward. They're powerful. He's the head of the body. Then it says that he, in all things He might have the preeminence or the superiority or that place of prominence in authority. He has to have that. He has to have it in our church. Not only built and founded upon Jesus Christ, not only doctrinally correct, you can be correct in all your doctrinal statements, and have it. Here's our doctrinal statement, what we believe. And yet not be led by the Holy Spirit in decisions you make. And in the direction of your church. And so we want, uh, if a church is going to be healthy, we have to be led by the Lord and only the Lord. We can't be led by something else. If we are, we're going to be misled. If we're led by something other than the Lord, we will be misled doesn't always mean it's demonic or something like that, but we can be misled. The body would be unhealthy. It would be sick. And it would also, I believe, be impotent or ineffective in in its witness or testimony for Christ. The church would be. We could not fully be walking in the power of the Lord and effective for His kingdom on this earth if we're not being led by the Lord in the first place. Even if our doctrinal statement is correct from A to Z. You understand that we need to be led by the Lord. This is one of the reasons I believe God is leading us to have this time of prayer, this special time of prayer. We want to be a praying church, okay but this special time. And so we cannot be led by the Lord and something else either. We can't be led by the Lord in a combination of something else. And I want to read this from Galatians chapter 1 verse 10. It says, "For do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I yet please men, I should not be the servant of Christ. Paul was not a pastor, but he was an apostle. He was in a position of authority over churches. And he himself said, I'm not seeking to please men. If I sought to please God, then I mean please men I would not be a servant of God. He's saying you can't be both. And I can't seek as a motive. I gotta please men over here and make them happy. And then I gotta keep God happy over here. No, Paul says, Lord, what will You have me to do? You go to Damascus. It will be told what You should do. He called him to be an apostle to the Gentiles. His life was burnt up, spent up, used up, filled up with the Holy Ghost and used up for God. And he, he marched under those orders that were giving, given him. And he wouldn't trade it for anything. He wouldn't trade it. neither will you, being led by the Lord. And so, it cannot be a combination of Jesus Christ his word, His Spirit, and you fill in the blank—something else. It can't be God in His word and popular culture, for example. Popular culture changes, doesn't it? I'm not an old man, but I know that it's changed a lot in my life. Okay, it's changed a lot in my life. Popular culture—we can't say, "Well, we're fundamental in our doctrine," but we also, you know, make decisions based on something else as well. Cannot be. Our church can't be led by a desire to please the world, to be recognized by the world, to make it uh, worldly successful. Uh, we can't be uh, led by the latest trends within the church. There are trends that come and go. Trends come and go. Not always evil or bad. Some are. We have to be led by the Lord. We cannot be led by the Lord and also the will of man. And I will say this, even godly men, you can't be led, none of God places leadership within a body. Now I'm thankful for it. We have human beings, like Moses was a leader and so forth. Paul was a leader. But even that man, Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. If Paul had stopped following Christ, the command of the order for all those churches of his day, would, what by Paul himself would be, don't follow me. Follow me as I follow Christ. And I think we can infer he's saying don't follow me if I don't. So we can't be led by the will of of man and the Lord at the same time. We can't be led by the Holy Spirit and also the Spirit of this world or the God of this world. We have to be led by the Lord Himself. I wanted to read this. Y'all are aware of this type of stuff. This is nothing you haven't heard. But I started thinking about it just in our day, in our lifetimes. In our Christianity lifetimes, what we've seen, the Episcopal Church, which is the Anglican Church originally of England, and it's, it's worldwide, in 1998, they had a conference called the Lambeth Conference, in which they condemned the practices, the actual practices of homosexuality, but they didn't per, uh, condemn homosexuality, they condemned the acts, okay, the acts of homosexuality. Uh, they have in the U.S. The, the Episcopalian church in the U.S. has allowed and uh, sanctified, I guess you would call it, homosexual marriages since 2015. Then in the, church, in the England church, at their council of the Episcopalian church, they rejected the report that marriage should <coughs> be only between one man and one woman. They rejected that. The General, General Synod... Uh, I believe that's how you pronounce it um, they brought a motion to create a set of formal services and blessings to bless those who have the same sex partnerships so they got together and said well no we need to come up with a for- formal set of services and ordinances to bless same sexual same- sex um, marriages or unions in 2002. Um, in the U.S., begin to bless those. In 2003, Gene Robinson was elected as the first openly gay bishop in the church in New Hampshire. Openly gay. I'm a homosexual. I'm living in homosexuality. And he was elected as the first U.S. bishop of the Episcopalian church in the U.S. And that was in 2003. And so... um, and I begin to question, and I know you do the same thing, how can a man bless what God has not blessed? How can we just decide that it's okay now? This is what I'm talking about, about being led by the Lord as opposed to being led by the will of man, or popular culture, church trends. Would you, would you say that that's more of a trend? I, I used the Episcopalian church because I had facts and dates, but you, would you say that's more of a church, in, a, a trend in the church as a whole? Absolutely. I don't think any of us would doubt that. And so there's a, a less thing, there's a compromise, there's a compromise, there's a compromise. And so that is an example of being led by something in the church, a Christian church. I mean, that's not Hinduism. When I say Christian church, you understand what I mean. Episcopalian church is re- recognized as a Christian church, like the Lutherans or Baptists or, or Methodists or something else. And what? how can man just decide to go this direction to bless, quote, bless what God has cursed? And it, it, we, we have to guard ourselves and make sure that we're being led by the Lord. Let no man deceive you, Paul said with vain words. For because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. There's a deception to it. If the Episcopal church comes out or any church or this church came out and said, we're okaying this. We're giving our approval to this. We're saying it's okay with God now. We need to watch it. I I pray that we would never do that. Let no man deceive you with vain words for because of these things comes the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. He's not playing the game. Jesus didn't die for no reason. He died to redeem homosexuals out of their homosexuality and fornicators out of their fornication and drunkards out of their drunkenness and idolaters out of their idolatry. And pride-filled men out of the pride of life. And so it's not, we have to be led by the Lord and we individually and as a body of believers not only be led by the Lord, to be solely and completely led by the Lord and by no other. And again, I know this sounds uh, basic, and it is, but I think it's more and more rare. It's basic and essential, but it's more and more rare than you see people where the, ch- the church is truly being led by the Holy Spirit. must be led by the Word of God alone, by the voice of our Good Shepherd alone, and individually and as a church, for us to be healthy and pleasing to the One who saved us. And we are to be pleasing to the One who redeemed us by His own blood. That's the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want to read a couple of Scriptures because there are other influences, y'all. You know that. There are other influences that seek to steer the ship. Other influences that are are barking for attention. That are are tugging. Okay? That are tugging to run the show, to steer the ship, to steer the church, to determine the direction... (coughs) that the church goes. And, uh, and there could be st- the influence of man, just man, a human being, in his will wanting to lead it a cer- certain way. Some influences of Satan. Okay, There's deceiving spirits and doctrines of devils. Seducing spirits, right? Doctrines of devils. There are false Christs, false apostles that come in uh, in sheep's clothing to look like they're innocent and they lead people astray and their desire is to lead people astray. Okay, So we know that that's demonic. And there's also just the influence of, I would say, well-meaning men that could just be wrong. They just might be unspiritual. They might even be saved. But in that particular topic or whatever that decision is, they're not being led by the Lord. They didn't pray. They didn't take the time to pray about it. They weren't biblical about it. They weren't being led by the Lord. And so you can have good men even Christian men or women that could seek to steer the church in a way other than the Lord Jesus wants to steer His church and direct His church. And so we have to to be careful for that, y'all. We have to watch out for that because guess what? It has consequences. There are consequences to it. There's a consequence to getting off and believing that you can marry two people that are homosexuals in the house of God and put, quote, the blessings of God upon it. It's false. It's untrue. There are consequences to that. There are consequences to it. Okay. And so I want to read a couple of scriptures. Um, I'm going to read one from Galatians. Then, if you can go on and turn in your Bibles to Revelation, chapter tw- chapter two. While you're turning there, I talked about the Judaizers coming into the Church of Galatia. Paul is the one that brought them the gospel in the first place. Okay. They got saved under the truth, under the true preaching of the Gospel. He leaves. After he leaves, the Judaizers come in. The Judaizers preached a mixture of, and there's no such mixture, but they tried to make one, a mixture of salvation by faith and through Jesus Christ and the works of the law. And I would say sanctification by faith in Jesus and the works of the law. And it became a snare. It became a bondage. We talked about that in our studies in Hebrews at length, okay? And so here's what Paul says. He says, you did run well. He's talking to the believers there. Who did hinder you that you should not obey the truth? See, they had stopped walking in the truth, but they were Christians. They were believers. This persuasion comes not of him that called you. A little leaven, that's sin and or, or bad doctrine in this case, a little leaven leavens the whole lump. I have confidence in you through the Lord. "...that you will be none otherwise minded, but he that troubleth you shall bear his own judgment, whosoever he be." What is he saying? There were human beings that came in and troubled the church. There was another influence that sought to steer or direct a whole body of believers that Jesus had redeemed by His blood. This wasn't a false church. This wasn't a cult church. This was a church that got born again by faith in Jesus Christ. And then there was another influence. Do you think it's unique to them? No. There's influences that want to steer this body. There's influences that want to steer you out of the simplicity of the Gospel. Out of the simplicity of the truth. And I want you to look at this. Turn with me to Revelation 2. Here's the Lord Jesus. And Paul sees in the book of Revelation. I mean, John sees in the book of Revelation. And he's dealing with these seven churches. These were seven literal churches. They weren't figments of His imagination that just represented things. I think we can tie some modern day things to them and I think it's fine to do that. But these were seven real churches with seven real pastors, okay? And I want you to look at the church at Pergamos because we're going to look at at chapter 2, verse 12-17. through Here's Jesus saying, you go tell John, you go tell this to these churches. And to the angel of the church in Pergamos write, These things saith he which had the sharp sword with two edges. I believe that's the Word of God. I know thy works, and where thou dwellest, even where Satan's seat is. Satan had a place in that church. Can you believe it? It was a true church. He had a place. Whether it was through a person, through a doctrine, through a teaching, through a group of people, through a movement, there was something within a healthy church of God that was unhealthy, and Satan had a place there. The Bible says, give no place to the devil. If you give him a place in your mind, he'll take it. If you give him a place in your marriage, he'll take it. If you give him a place in what you watch on TV, he'll take it. If you give him a place in your church and what we allow, who we allow to teach Sunday school, what we allow who do we allow to teach those children upstairs, if we give him a place in our church, he'll take it. Bitterness, suspicion, he'll take it. And he won't be satisfied with that. He'll take more. And so if he had a place in this church, and thou holdest fast my name, but he says, You're holding fast to my name. And you hast not, you have not denied my faith, even in those days where Antipas was my faithful martyr. They had real martyrs in that church, who was slain among you, where Satan dwelleth. But I have a few things against thee, because thou hast there them that hold to the doctrine of Balaam, who taught Balak to cast a stumbling block before the children of Israel, to eat things sacrificed unto idols, and to commit fornication. So hast there also them that hold to the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, which thing I hate. Repent, or else I will come unto thee quickly and will fight against thee with the sword of my mouth." That's his word. "...He that hath an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that overcome, I will give to eat of the hidden manna, and will give him a white stone, and in the stone a new name written, which no man knoweth, saving he that receiveth it." What are we saying here? That was a church. He didn't say you're not a church. He didn't say you're not born again. Then not say you need the gospel and be saved. He spoke to his church. There was an angel and a pastor of that church. And he says, you haven't even denied my name, but you've given place to Satan. Two false doctrines that were going there. And he says if there's consequences to it. Repent or else. And And he gave a judgment. Repent or else. But to him that overcomes, here's what I'm going to give you. I'm simply saying that being led by the Holy Spirit in our church has consequences to it. There are blessings that come through walking with the Lord. There's things that are going to... Even if we're saved, which we are, there are going to be consequences to us not being fully led by the Lord. And so we have to watch this, y'all. Our, our church has to be led by the Holy Spirit in all that we do. And y'all, it can be it can be unpopular. You know that. You would think, and Dee and I have talked about it, and I'm sure you've talked about it. When I think about wonderful pastors that I've known in my own life, I would think that should be the biggest church on the planet. You know what I'm saying? They're preaching the truth right down the line. It's wonderful that the Lord's Spirit is present. The people love each other. Everything is, is the way it's supposed to be. He's standing firm for truth, that pastor and those people. But you know, oftentimes that can be some of the smallest churches. You know, it can be unpopular, it can be unpopular in the world uh, around us, but it can also be unpopular within Christendom, what I call Christianity as a whole, because people don't want it. They don't want it. They would rather move with the flow. They would rather go in the big, wide open river where you just sit on your raft and float downstream Where this is where Christianity is heading. And so we're okay with that. And we would rather just float with that than to try to stand firm upon Jesus Christ and proclaim His Word. It's unpopular in the world. We know that. When Peter and John were beaten and and threatened not to preach in Jesus' name anymore, they went back to their company of believers. They prayed. The place was shaken. They said, Lord, behold their threatenings and their threatenings and and they're they're trying to shut us up and they're trying to stop us from preaching the truth. The world is always going to be the world. The world is going to persecute. We're seeing it more in our country where that, it's like the, the, the window shades are p- being pulled down. And it's getting harder and harder <clears throat> to stand for the Lord. Uh, less and less popular. Okay. So the world, though, we expect that. But it can be hard within Christianity to really hold to the truth and to walk in it. Okay. To walk in it. Things people used to believe and used to be a conviction, even in the church, is not a conviction anymore. How they dress, you know, how they talk and, and different things, movies that, that we watch and so forth. I remember when D and I were, uh, we'd been married about one year and the Lord called us into full time ministry, go start traveling and singing. The Lord had been playing guitar and Lord had given her songs. She'd written songs and she ministered in music and in the church and the prisons and all over the place. And we felt the Lord leading us. We didn't have any children at that time to go into full time ministry. And so we both had jobs at the time, and God led us to quit those and to just be freed up. Now, it sounds really romantic, and that's wonderful and exciting, but that was, I had a college degree, and I was going to go to grad school and get my, my a master's in finance, and the Lord just led everything in a different direction. And so we knew that we heard from the Lord. It wasn't a huge sacrifice in that sense because it was being walking in God's will is a joy. Okay, so we quit our jobs. We began to go out and we would sing. We would travel a little further and further away, and we did it from week to week. And I remember when we were first stepping out, we were telling our church that we were stepping out. There was a wonderful Christian brother that I loved. He was saved. He came to me privately. He pulled me to the side and said, "You're crazy." Don't do it. You're making a huge mistake. How are you going to provide for your family? All of his he cared, but he was dead wrong. He wasn't being spiritual. You see what I'm saying? We'd already prayed through all that. We wouldn't have done it if we didn't feel it was God's will. We knew it was going to be financially the way it was. You understand what I'm saying? We were okay with that. And we were trusting God. It was a step of faith. And we were already good with it. We were looking forward to it. And it was worth it to us. And, but he's a Christian, a believer, and said, "Don't do it, Randy. You're crazy. How you can provide for your wife and your family one day? You're making a huge mistake. You can't do it." So there's an example, just even personally, where a well-intended person—he didn't say it because he hated us. He really was worried about us. Okay, he said it, but a, a well-meaning Christian was not being led by the Holy Spirit at that time. Mm-hmm. It can happen. So we have to guard against that to be fully led by the Lord, fully led by the Lord. It can be difficult to do, not impossible to do, but we have to be a praying church. And one of our sermons one on this lesson is going to be a healthy church has to be a prayer, praying church. We're going to talk about that. But to to make choices and decisions in your own life and in this church, for example, solely based. I mean, solely, and completely based upon the word of God the will of God, the leading of the Lord as he is revealed to that body and to the pastor and so forth to make choices and decisions. Go or stay. How do we know? You know what I'm saying? Go or stay. Meet here, go somewhere else. Go on this mission trip, stay put. Get involved in this ministry. It's a good Christian ministry or don't. God has a will. It matters to him. And sometimes we can make mistakes, even well-intentioned. And because it's well-intentioned our heart was pure, I think God will help us and get us back where we needed to be. I believe that. I don't think He's going to punish us when we really thought it was God. And it wasn't. And He'll show us quickly and we'll, He'll bring us back. Because I believe that's His nature and character. But um, there, to be led by the Lord, go or stay. Preach this. Don't preach this. Don't talk too much about this from the pulpit. You know, just let that... Let that kind of go. It's not really popular today. Address this sin in the church, or don't address this sin in the church. You know what I'm talking about? I'm talking about everything's wonderful right now, we're not having those problems, and I pray we never do. But in the life of a church, we have to be willing to address things that might be painful or are uh, uncomfortable, and yet still be God's will, and He blessed.